0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Sherry Benton about combating workplace burnout. Dr. Sherry Benton, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations podcast.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm excited to explore together with you today the topic of combating workplace burnout. Burnout is has always been an issue, and it's something we we talk about. But it, you know, up until the pandemic, it seems like it was kind of on the side. It was on the periphery. People um, were aware of it. Uh, leaders would be. You know, understanding it a little bit cautious around it, but largely it was something that didn't get uh, top priority or top focus. And I feel like during the pandemic that's shifted a little bit, and and we've had a greater level of attention towards this burnout phenomenon as people have been juggling and battling, you know, both the health and the social and the economic. Uh, Outcomes and costs of, of this pandemic and just trying to, to juggle work life, family, and all of those different things. So we're going to unpack that and explore that together today and really what leaders can do within their organizations and their teams to combat that workplace burnout and to really help their people to thrive in a healthy environment. As we get started, I wanted to share Dr. Benton's bio with everybody. Sherry Benton, PhD, is the founder and chief science officer, also a professor emeritus and former a counseling Center Director at the University of Florida. She has over 25 years of clinical and research experience in counseling, psychology, and college student mental health. She has focused her career on reducing mental health disparities and improving access to evidence based mental health treatment. And her experience in the college counseling world revealed a need for a more efficient and effective way to deliver mental health therapy. She is board certified in counseling psychology by the American Board of Professional Psychology and is a fellow in the American Psychological Association. And really, I could go on and on and on, but uh, I'll leave it there for now. Anything else you would like to add by way of your background, personal context, professional background uh, before we launch on into the conversation today?
1: I think that pretty much covers it. I sound pretty good on paper.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. And it's a it's a pleasure to have you here. And I appreciate you uh, sharing your expertise with me and my listeners today. So why don't we start by defining workplace burnout? Um, clinically. Uh, from a clinical perspective, as you work with people, what is workplace burnout? And then we can start to talk about strategies to combat that.
1: Okay, well, it's important to know that burnout is not really a diagnosable disorder. It's And it's something that the majority of people are going to experience at some point in time. Uh, anytime the stress level gets too high, Uh, whether that's at home or at work or at school, uh, we're at risk for uh, developing burnout. Some things, some factors that kind of uh, lead into burnout is feeling like you have a lack of control over what happens in your life or what happens at your job. Um, Feeling like you have high expectations put on you, but very little support. Uh, Being in some kind of a toxic family situation. Uh, having too many uh, demands on your time, whether it be kids, parents, family, job, all at one time, and feeling like you can't meet everybody's expectations. Feeling isolated or unsupported. And this is probably one of the big uh, things that's happened through the pandemic is people have lost their social connections and work teams Uh, working from home, feeling like they work too much at the expense of their personal life. I think one of the drawbacks of social media, email, and cell phones is you can feel like you have a digital chain to your job all the time and not having any break from that, Uh, feeling like you're missing out on time with friends and family and doing things that you enjoy all of those things can uh, increase the risk of developing burnout. And certainly things like um, stress about paying rent or mortgages, stress about housing, income insecurity, uh, have enough food, all of that makes us more susceptible to burnout.
0: Really, as you were describing that, it's just a good reminder that all different aspects of our lives do bleed together. So sometimes we talk about compartmentalization and we talk about leave, leave home at home and work at work. The reality is work life impacts home life and home life impacts work life and all the, the various stressors that we have, um, they there's a cumulative effect of that. And that does impact us at work, regardless of whatever, you know, our intention might be in terms of being quote unquote professional and leaving, you know, home at home, our personal stuff at home. Uh, and so as organizational leaders, we just have to be cognizant, cognizant of that. We have to recognize that that's, that is happening and gone are the days that we could uh, simply try to, you know, work with our people in the workplace about workplace things. Now we have to provide empathy, support, uh, and help them think through, you know, what they may need in terms of other resources that have nothing to do with their job. If they're dealing with a a difficult marriage or home environment or abuse or any of a a number of things that could be happening, that could be very difficult. And we can uh, try to provide support for that because the reality is even if everything is going peachy at work, if things are really crummy in other aspects of the person's life, Burnout is much more likely to occur and the negative impacts of burnout are going to impact the business regardless of, of whether it's, it's a workplace environment issue uh, or, or or a boss issue or whatever. Right. Um, So, so we have to recognize that we have to recognize that it all connects um, and there's overlap and that's just the way it is. Uh, That's how we are as human beings. One thing in my mind that that means Um, is that we have to like simultaneously live within within this tension of trying to have healthy boundaries around different aspects of our lives um, while also recognizing that, you know, the stress that we felt at work today can and probably will impact how we're going to be with our kids and our spouse, you know, when we come home, right?
1: An example that I think is pretty much everywhere right now with the pandemic is, especially young families, you know, you've got your kids are in school, they're not in school, you're trying to deal with daycare, at the same time, you're trying to work from home, and things like, it can feel like your kids lost a year of school, it it can feel like you can't find a way to really take care of them at the same time that you're still taking care of your job responsibility. So while you might've been really good at compartmentalizing and uh, managing stress before the pandemic, now you have huge additional issues to try to deal with and that can really trigger burnout. And I think we're seeing some of the results of that with the whole great resignation. People arrive at the place where I've got to choose between pouring myself into my job versus taking care of my kids and my family. And they're making the decision that they may have to change jobs or leave their job to really be able to deal with all of these multiple stressors that are really brought on, especially during the pandemic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just as an example, uh, longtime listeners of the podcast know I have. A large family, six children, ages eight to eighteen. They're all in in K twelve system, and uh, so we we've just like many of you, we've dealt with kids at home and in, in schooling. Now they have gone back to school um, this year, which has been wonderful, uh, you know, to, for them and for us, for, uh, for me and my wife. Um, but with the Omicron variant running, you know, rampant right now. They're actually back at home, um, so the school oh, yeah. just the school just shut down and, and sent the kids back home, and so now we're juggling again, and you know just simple things like juggling the number of devices it takes to do online learning when you have a, you know me and my spouse work. Um, so we needed a computer, and then my kids, each of them, have online schooling, so they need devices, and we're like trying to juggle all that. And It is stressful. No matter how patient we are with each other, no matter how uh, accommodating we're trying to be, uh, it's just stressful, and it adds an extra layer onto everything else that people are trying to uh-huh. deal with. And so, you know, not not to say woe is me. Um, that my experience is the experience that countless families are dealing. You know, yeah. they're dealing with the same thing right now, and so it we just need to have that realization and that empathy and and recognize as leaders, you know, is there really a need for that meeting or can we get rid of it? Do we really need to be in person? Can we give more flexibility? People provided so much flexibility especially early on in the pandemic and then over time leaders and organizations have been reeling that back in and trying to get their people back into the workplace either in a, you know, permanent face-to-face environment or a hybrid environment and you know, there's pros and cons to all of that. But ultimately, flexibility and accommodation, I think, is really key when people are, are dealing with all these sorts of things.
1: I think that's true. I think a lot of businesses are finding, too, that the things they saw as perks that made their the job with their company more desirable are no longer working. Uh, gym membership means less in the middle of a pandemic. Um, having that coffee bar at work means less and what people really need when they're doing the hybrid or working from home or juggling, taking care of their kids and trying to do their job are a lot of um, helpful resources for dealing with those things, uh, including good mental health resources online.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that, I think, takes us where I want to go next, you know, as we continue to try to understand this issue around workplace burnout. There is, you know, this, this uh, stigma still, even though I think it's been declining, there's stigma around mental health and, you know, someone being willing to <clears throat> to admit that they need assistance, they need help. Um, so part of it is, you know, as we're trying to combat workplace burnout, I think part of it is we need to decrease the stigma around mental health. We need everyone to recognize and understand that it's, you know, perfectly okay for people to, to go to counseling or to get medication or to just take personal time uh, to to decompress and to recenter themselves and such. Uh, do you have any thoughts or strategies around how we can decrease that stigma Uh, Especially in a high uh, performing, you know, highly competitive kind of an environment where someone may be super hesitant to go to their boss and say, you know what, I just really need some assistance because I'm dealing with stress, anxiety, depression, or whatever. and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations.
1: I think one of the first things is to uh, shift how we think about mental health. I think traditionally, uh, we've thought about it as either mental illness or not mental illness. And as long as we think of it as something that is wrong with you, uh, that you're somehow less than, you know, that stigma in a nutshell. And the reality is everybody has mental health. You know, we all have some level of mental health and it's not static. It's dynamic. It changes with the number of stressors in our life. You can be doing fabulously in terms of your all well-being and happiness with life. And then your parents die in a car accident or you, you know, it, things happen. You know, I think one of the big ones out here in Colorado where I live is we just had almost a thousand families live their, lose their homes in the fire. Well, you know, Those stressors happen, so whatever our state of mental health, and everyone is a state of mental health, uh, it's dynamic. It will change with the stressors in our life, and we need to recognize that it's just how we are right now. It's not how we are going to be all the time, and it's not about disorders or not disorders. It's about uh, kind of maximizing our functioning, so even when we're doing great we should do good prevention things like uh, kind of look at our thinking, do some meditation, uh, those kind of things. But, you know, everyone has mental health and they have different levels of it at different times in their life. And to sort of recognize that that's just normal. You know, 75% of people are going to at some point in their adult life feel burnout. So that's not a disorder, that's a normal state that people experience from time to time. And getting help with that is the way that you get through it. You know, we would never wait until we had diabetes to pay attention to our diet. And we would not (laughs) wait until we have uh, terrible physical disabilities to take up exercise. But somehow we think, You have to have a terrible disorder before you go get help for your mental health. And if you think about that in terms of you're just dealing with your brain and your nervous system instead of uh, your digestive system or your uh, muscular skeletal system, you know, well, of course, you have to pay attention to it, just like you do every other aspect of your physical being.
0: Yeah, well, absolutely. Your physical health, but also your emotional uh, and social health and your spiritual health, like all these things, right? We we proactively pay attention, or at least we should be proactively paying attention to all of them. So of course, mental health would be part of that. Of course, we need to be doing the, the things that to, to keep ourselves healthy. And then if there is, you know, an extra set of stressors that come into play, you know, sometimes medication is necessary. Sometimes going to see a counselor, having at least a good friend or, or someone you can talk to to, to, to work through things is really necessary and, and that's all okay. And, you know, I have to, I, I just personally, you know, I, I come from a family, where there was a lot of stigma around um, mental health, and, and then some families, you know, kind of everyone, you know, takes pills and goes to counseling, and it's just kind of normal in it, so everyone sees it as normal, and and so I've seen kind of both of those play out, and but I know from my background and my family that uh, it made me extra, even, even though I was very understand, at least I was, I think I was very understanding and had sympathy and empathy for people uh, who who needed help. That was for them, not for me. Like it was always for them, not for me. And over time, I, ha- you know, I had to realize like, no, I have all these things piling up. I have all, all this extra stress. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Uh, I'm thinking about like when I'm going through my PhD program, I'm sure you felt the same thing when you were going through your PhD program. It can be, can be just incredibly overwhelming when you're trying to carry all these burdens. And, and so then what, what are you gonna do about it? Like you can either try to bear it all yourself and you may survive, but you may not. And it it doesn't really say anything about you and your toughness. It just, you know, people have different brain chemistry. People have different uh, abilities um, and different support systems and such. And over time I had to realize like, yeah, I, you know, it is okay. If I need to go talk to somebody, it is okay. If I need to uh, take some medication uh, to help with stress or anxiety or whatever, You know, that's, that's the way it is for everybody. I I hope that we can get past that. I wish it didn't take me so long to get past that. Um, Even though I was okay with other people doing it, I wasn't okay with myself. And, uh, and ultimately as a leader, we need to lead out and model for our people vulnerability and, and to help them understand that, yes, this is completely okay. You're not going to be punished for it. You're not going to be seen as less than or weak because of it. Um, But we're going to, like you said, we're going to be proactive about, addressing all aspects of our health um holistically looking at us as a, a holistic individual and all of the different needs that we have and if we can do that then we're going to have people that are going to be more healthy holistically and people that can thrive now thrive in their personal life but also thrive at work and that means they're going to do better work for the organization to be more creative and innovative and they're going to have less burnout and they're going to we're going to retain them and you know all those good things that are going to help the business succeed as well
1: exactly i think One of the problems with seeing mental health is either you have a disorder or you don't is that you want to deny that you have anything that might be a disorder and you wait until you're in dire straits to go get help. You know, it's kind of like if you had a skin lesion, you wait until it's really bad to go find out that you have stage four cancer instead of dealing with it when it first appeared. And I think we're far more likely to do that with our mental health is that when we start to feel overwhelmed and stressed, instead of reaching some self-help materials, taking up mindfulness meditation, doing those sort of like early stage strategies that help you just muscle through and tell yourself that you're fine and until you are a complete wreck You know, it's like waiting until you have stage four depression or stage four anxiety before you go get help. That makes absolutely no sense. You know, it's kind of like deal with it from the first signs of issues and you're far more likely to recover more quickly. I yeah, think-
0: absolutely. So I, I think for leaders, then let's t- spend the rest of our time then talking about some practical strategies on how we can help combat burnout and help people, um, you know, in a healthy way deal with their stress and the anxiety they may feel at work, or or even that might bleed into other as- from aspe- other aspects of their lives. Um, one of the things that I'm taking away from our conversation so far is that we we first and foremost we just have to create a psychologically safe place. Free of stigma, um, where we have an environment where people recognize that yeah, it's important. Holistic health is important. That means mental health, just like every other aspect of health. So we we model that. We create an environment where everyone can recognize and understand that. We certainly never punish people, um, you know, or talk down or bad about people because they're, um, they're seeking assistance with those sorts of things. Uh, And so that kind of creating that kind of an environment is a really good first step. So what are some of the other things we can do to actively uh, combat workplace burnout and help people to deal with those stressors that they might be experiencing?
1: I think one of the best things, uh, two things that I think are really important. One is, it being a safe and okay place to talk about our struggles, because nobody doesn't struggle, whether you're the CEO of the company, or you're the person who cleans offices at night. Um, Everybody struggles with this from time to time. And so normalizing it, like recognizing that uh, that's an issue and providing resources is useful. Um, I know of some companies that have actually taken up some Uh, 10 or 15 minutes, a couple of times a week, where they actually do a mindfulness exercise together. You know, I think that when when the C-level executives are modeling uh, attention to your mental health, that makes it way more okay for everyone in the company. And the other thing is sometimes those, uh, the people at the top feel the most fear about exposing that they They struggle sometimes. And yet, in this environment, you know, with the pandemic going on and the uncertainty, everyone's struggling. And it makes no sense to pretend that you're not. Uh, so that's one thing. The other thing is really providing resources so that your your employees can easily get access to to resources, whether that's in a primary prevention way. Uh, whether that's in dealing with situational problems as they come up uh, or whether that's, you know, getting uh, the help you need in terms of therapy and medication and those kind of things. So a full range of things, you know, that are available and easily accessible for your um, staff is really important. Another thing that's useful is making sure that as a company, you respect boundaries. That people aren't expected to be on a digital leash with their phone 24-7. You know, that you can have a life and a job. And I think that helps a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I think so too. And and an extension of that, maybe one more point I would make before we uh, start to wrap up is just in terms of taking time off now many organizations even now it's becoming a popular thing to have unlimited pto so if you need it take it right and theoretically that sounds awesome Um, but it all depends on the culture and it all depends on how it's modeled by uh, leadership within the organization because whether you say you know we have three weeks of paid vacation or you have unlimited time off or whatever the reality is, especially in the U.S., people don't take their time off. Uh, we're like the lowest uh, among all of the the uh, advanced industrialized nations in terms of the amount of time off that people take. And so no wonder burnout is high. And, and why? Because people feel, whether it's true or not, they feel that they're going to be somehow negatively impacted in their career or punished for taking time off. And so we need to make sure that we're modeling that for our people. And even if we have something like unlimited PTO, we need to make sure that we're really encouraging people to take regular breaks, take time off, uh, and, and follow up with people about it. Make it part of your performance conversation. Like how much time have you taken off this quarter? <laughs> okay, you haven't taken any, it's time to take a break um, and really have those conversations with people. I think that's also going to be very important.
1: I think that's absolutely true.
0: Well, Sherry, it has been a pleasure talking with you today. I know at the time, and we will have to part ways here in just a few minutes, but before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you and find out more about your work.
1: So the easiest way is to go to our website, uh, which is www.tauconnect.org. We have lots of resources for people. And uh, if going through the chat box is probably the easiest way for people to get you straight to me if you needed to talk to me.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Sherry. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Sherry can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. I hope you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership,